Northside family, it's good to be with you this morning. Real quick, can we welcome everybody online right now? Just want to let them know, glad they're tuning in and a part of this. And uh, if you're new, uh, we've been going through this series and we've been looking at the seven I am statements that Jesus gives in the book of John. His best friend writes this. It's one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to be in John chapter 15. If you got your Bible, you can open there. We'll be there in a second. Uh, but what's amazing is this. Oftentimes, uh, you know, we wonder who we are and we're trying to figure that stuff out. We're trying to figure out our calling in life. And the beauty of Jesus is this. He goes, you'll find out all that you need when you know who I am. And this is the good news of Jesus today. He goes, I wanna let you know who you are and you'll know who you are when you know who I am. And over the last couple of weeks, Jesus has been telling people who he is. And today it's such a big deal because what we've seen, and we've seen, uh, we, we've seen 10-year-olds and 8-year-olds, and we've seen 50 and 60 and 70-year-olds this weekend get baptized. And what's amazing is this, what we find is this, Jesus is for every generation, he's for every nation, and he just simply says this, I want you to know who I am. And so that's the question for you and I today is this, do we know the I am? And every time Jesus reveals who he is, he's answering a deep question that we have. Here's the question he's going to answer for us today when we discover who he is. It's this. It's this is the question, and whether you're a believer here today or not, we've all asked this question. It's this. What's my calling? I mean, why am I here? What is my calling in life? What am I, what am I here to do? Because all of us desire purpose in life. I remember the first time I, re I discovered what I was supposed to do in my life, or at least what I thought I was supposed to do. I was four years old. And some of you are like, boy, Nate, you must have been smart. I was not, right? You know, but, but at four, this is what happened. I remember I was four years old and I got a vision of what I was supposed to be. And it was because this garbage man kept driving in front of my house every week. And what I saw on the back of that garbage truck was this dude that would just hang on with like one arm and one foot. You remember those guys growing up, man? And they would just hang out there. I'm like, that's it. That's the calling, right? And then I realized I'm a total extrovert. And that guy is by himself on the back. That's a lonely job. And at four years old, I thought I had it planned out. And then 12, I began to think about something. Then 20 and then 30. And here's what's amazing is this. Isn't it amazing how it seems like our calling shifts through every season in life? You begin to go, this is what it's supposed to be. And then you get there and you go, man, this isn't enough. For some of you, you're on the brink of retirement. And you're like, that's going to be it. And I've talked to some number of retired people. I go, how is it going? They're going, different, right? And I go, different. What do you mean? They go, man, I'm retired but it's not what I thought. And what they find is this, even in retirement, they're going, man, I can't just sit here and wax my car three times a week. I want to be a part of something bigger. And every single season of life, you and I are asking that question, maybe not out loud, but we're saying this, what is my calling? What is my purpose? And this is what I love about Jesus in this passage. It's his last night as he's going to the cross, he gets his disciples together and he reminds them of their calling. Today, if you're looking for it, Jesus is going to answer. He's going to give you your calling because our calling goes into everything. Our calling goes into our career. Our calling goes into our relationships. It goes into how we view ourselves, our identity. Listen to what Jesus says. He gets his disciples together on his last night. And in John chapter 15, listen to what he says. He gathers them together. And he's been talking from John 13 all the way to 17. He's just dialoguing. He's downloading into his guys. And he says this to his disciples. He says, here it is, guys. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Now we're going to unpack that a little bit because 
Typically, I know we're in southern Indiana, but not all of us live on a farm, right? You know what I'm saying? Some people might think we do, but right? it's like not everybody you know, deals with vines. Huber's does. Well, you know, I don't have any. But here's what happens. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And you are already clean, talking to his disciples, because of the word I have spoken to you. And then here it is. Here's their calling. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Because no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can, your, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. I love it. Jesus is like, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what I told you, and then I'm going to tell you again, right? Like this is how he works. He goes, I am the vine, guys, and you are the branches. Don't confuse this. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. I, I love this. And, and here's why we want to stop here. And Jesus says, I am the vine. It's this, because oftentimes we overlook how God works in our life. We think stuff like this. If we do great things for God, then God's going to be with me. And in this passage, Jesus is telling his disciples this. He says this, if you want to do great things for me, here's how you do great things for me. You hang out with me. You remain in me. You walk with me. You find your life in me. If you're taking notes, here's what Jesus is saying. He goes, our calling, our calling is our connection to Jesus. Now, that doesn't sound like outlandish. You go, that's our calling is to remain connected to Jesus? Yes, because Jesus says this, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Jesus goes, I have so much I want to do in and through you, but here's the deal. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Your calling, my calling is to remain in Christ, to say, God, I'm going to live under your source. Here's what happens in a lot of us. We see this in marriage. We see this in our own relationships, don't we? Sometimes what happens is this. It's not the idea of marriage that we can't figure out because we're all broken. We're trying to figure this out together. It's this. We quit connecting, don't we? And when you quit connecting, here's what happens. Things begin to become distant. Even with church life, here's what happens. When we begin, it's not that the Lord doesn't love us, but what happens is when we quit, when we quit connecting with church, when we quit connecting with people, when we quit living our life in him, things become to be distant. And what I've realized is this over and over again, our life is about connection to the Father. I learned this, uh, I, was, well, I, was, I was reminded of this on Monday night, this past Monday night. Had my kids loaded up in a minivan and I was taking my daughter to her cheer practice. I know, man cards turned in, right? I'm driving the minivan and, and I got the kiddos with me and we're taking Lily to her cheer practice on Monday night and we're driving. And as I'm driving down Highway 31, all of the lights on my dashboard come on while I'm driving. I'm like, I'm not a mechanic, but I don't think that's good, right? Like everything came on and then all the dials, I was driving like 40, 50 miles an hour, all the dials just go, boom, shut down. I'm just driving, I'm hitting the accelerator, nothing's happening, 
right? And I'm just driving. I'm like, this is not good. And it's like in those moments, you just try to stay control so your kids don't freak out. And so I'm like, dad's just slowing down. And we just kind of drift into the White Castle parking lot on 31. And I'm like, maybe the Lord will, de- will redeem it with some White Castle, right? You know, we got a broke down minivan. And what happened was this. I said, I don't know how to fix anything. So I called my buddy, Neil, one of my best friends. He's in our life group. And he came down, he goes, oh, you just need to jump your battery. That, that, that's all, you got a dead battery. It's probably dying, that's, that, that's your problem. Charges up the battery. I drive about 500 feet outside of White Castle. All the lights come on the dashboard. All the dials drop down. I'm like, that ain't good. So just kind of coast over to the side. He comes back around, jumps the battery again. Okay, this time it turned on. This is going to work. Drive another 500 yards. Same thing. All the lights come down. Now it's smoking. Now I'm like, I'm not going to do that again, right? Like time to call the tow truck, right? Here it is. Towed it down to Burns. They got me all hooked up. Did you know if your alternator doesn't work, your car doesn't run? Did you know that? Like, like I, I, I don't know how these mechanic things work. I don't even know the deal. But here's the deal. The alternator, here's what it does. It charges your battery. And when the alternator's out, Guess what charges your battery? Nothing, did you know that? Nothing charges your car battery. You can, somebody can come and jump your battery. Here's the problem, it will die very quickly. See, Jesus is saying this in this way. He goes, hey, listen. He goes, here's what's gonna happen. You have to remain connected to me because if not, here's what's gonna happen. Your life, you're gonna run your life for a little bit and then after a while, you may go after some things and some things might work out, but it won't be long until all the the lights on your dashboard in your heart and your life begin to go on and all the dials begin to go down. Some of you here today and you you, you feel like that. You just go, Nate, if if we were to talk, you just go, Nate, I am toasted. I am burned out. Can I suggest maybe you're connected to the wrong vine. You're not physically broke down alongside Highway 31, but spiritually in your heart, in your life, you are broke down on the side of the road. And what you're doing is this. You're trying to jumpstart your life with this thing, this relationship, this idea, this thing. And it goes great for a little bit. And then it quits working. See, Jesus says this in this passage to his disciples. He goes, guys, here's the most important thing you need to remember is you need to remain in me. I'm here for you. I'm here to connect with you. This is the most important thing because this is what Jesus knows. He goes, I am the true vine. And here's why he says I'm the true vine, because there are false vines out there in the world. And I'm the true vine that gives you life. And he says this word remain. And this is what I loved about the word remain. The more I studied it, this is what the word remain means. It means this, to make yourself at home with Jesus today. To make yourself at home with Jesus. This is what I love about today. I know we're all dressed up. You know what I'm going to be wearing this afternoon? Like some cutoff sleeve t-shirt and some raggedy shorts, right? And just turning on NFL football, right? And Jesus goes, I want you in your cutoff sleeve shirt and raggedy shorts at home with me. I want you in your worst time of life at home with me. I want you at home with me in your best moment of life. But what Jesus is saying is this, when you're not at home with me, the life of me, the life of me doesn't flow through you. See, the reason why Jesus wants us at home with him is he's going, I want to invest into you. I want to pour into you. We even use this phrase here all the time. If somebody says, what what is Northside all about? Northside is all about connecting unconnected people to Jesus Christ because that's what he's come to do with us. But you know how you connect unconnected people to Jesus? You remain connected to Jesus. You know how you're a light for your neighbor? You remain connected 
to the light. You know how you give a word of hope to those who are hurting? You remain connected to the word of hope. You know how you live out your calling and your gifting? You allow the one who's blessed you with those callings and giftings in your life to pour into you. I came across this quote. It was very impactful to me. I want to share it with you today. It's, he's a pastor. His name is Greg Boyd. And listen to what he says here. He says, while the true God lives in the now, talking about Jesus, he says, false gods always live in the past or future. And chasing them to find our worth and significance always takes us out of the present moment. See, what Jesus wants to do is this. He wants you and I to live in the present moment. And it doesn't mean that we ignore the past. What Jesus does is this. When you connect to the true vine, here's what happens. When you remain in him, you can see your past for what it really is and not avoid it. You can go, yeah, man, I, I jacked that up. That was wrong. But that condemnation, that guilt doesn't go forward because I'm connected to the true vine. And the beauty of the true vine is this. It allows us to dream for the future. But here's the thing. But it allows us not to escape into the future and not be present in the moment. Somebody said this. I thought it was wise. They said, here's what cell phones have done to us. It's made us want to be private and public and public and private. And it's totally reversed us. And it's changed us and we don't connect well with one another. Even this week, I had to practice something new as I was writing the sermon because I put all kind of quotes. I see that quote or I'll see ideas that will come on. You know, when I was standing on the side of the road on Highway 31 on Monday night, I got my note app open. I was like, put this in the sermon, right? You know, I was like, here the, you know, and, and now here's the, here's the problem. When I'm writing my sermon, I, I'll have my phone there because I'll have my notes. I'll have my ideas. The only problem is this. When your phone's next to you, what do you do? You check it, right? And I'm like, maybe somebody's emailed me. Nobody's emailed me. Okay, right? You know, and then you have those like phantom vibrations in your pocket. Maybe somebody's texting me. Okay, still no text, right? And what happens is this, like we just start finicking and all this other stuff. And literally this week as I was writing the sermon, even though I have all these ideas in my notes app, this is what I had to do on my phone. I had to just put it on airplane mode. And I had to go, God, I, I can't, I don't connect well with you when I'm connected to everything else. And this is what Jesus is telling his disciples. He's going, you are going to be tempted to allow yourself to be connected to false vines in this world. Here's the only thing about a false vine. You don't know you're connected to a false vine until it's harvest time. See, you can be connected to the false vine and you go, no, 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 this is okay. This is going okay. This is going okay. This is my life. This is my life. This is my life. Until it comes to a point where you go, oh, no, it's not my life. And all the lights on your dashboard come on. Did you know this harvest homecoming always happens in October every year here? Did you know that? Right? You're like, well, duh, right? Now, and, and, and I, I, can't tell, I can't say this enough. If you, if, if you might be here today wondering if the Lord loves you. You need to go down there and try one of those donuts next week at Harvest Homecoming and taste and see that the Lord loves you. We're like, he does love us. He does want good things for us, right? And I love Harvest Homecoming, right? I, you know, I have to, you know, I just eat way too much food. But here's what's beautiful about Harvest Homecoming. We can count on it being every October because you know what you do in March? You plant. And then you know what you do in May and June and July? You in the soil. And then know what happens in the fall? You harvest. See, sometimes we, we make following Jesus way too complicated. This is why he's telling his disciples, remain in me, stay connected to me, because here's what I want to do. I want to produce a fruit of righteousness in your life, a harvest of righteousness. 
And what he's telling the disciples is this. Sometimes you and I are going to find ourselves waiting on things. But he says, in your waiting, here's what I want you to do. I want you remaining. In your waiting, I want you remaining. I want you connected to me. I want you walking with me. I want you having my life in you. And here's why. Because there is competition for your connection with Jesus. There's competition for your connection with Jesus. This is the way that Satan loves to work, man. He loves to distract. He loves to mess up our connection. Some of you in the next generation in this room, you're still like true vine alternators. I still don't know what you're talking about. Okay, Jesus is the greatest Wi-Fi you could ever connect to, all right? Like Jesus gives the greatest connection for your life. And here's the thing, there are competition for your connection. Satan wants you and I to connect to any other vine rather than the true vine. Even things that are good, but they're not the true vine. Here's one of the greatest competitors, though, for our connection. It's ourselves. Proverbs 14, verse 12 says this. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to what? Death. Too many times, here's how we make our decisions. Well, made sense to me. And it's like, I know. All of my bad decisions I've ever made, I've made by myself, right? And then I tell somebody else, and I'm like, what were you thinking, right? That made sense to me. See, this is how Satan wants to work. He wants you to believe that actually you're smarter or you're better than the true vine. Jesus goes, I'm the true vine. Nobody bears fruit outside of me. But Jesus also addresses two of the biggest competitors in our life. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, he's talking about the soil, the conditions of our heart, about how God grows us. And listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 13. He says, here are the two biggest competitors for our hearts. He says, the one who received the seed, talking about the good news of God, the one who received that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. You know, here we are, we're hearing God's word preached, but the worries of this life, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. You know what the two biggest things will challenge you outside of yourself? Worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. I love that some people are like, man, the Bible isn't relevant. It doesn't speak to us. Now, I know everybody here today, you don't have any worries and you're not thinking about wealth, are you, right? Like, not like no, it's like that is exactly, matter of fact, it's not just worry and wealth. We worry about our wealth, right? And this is what Jesus says. He goes, here's what's going to happen. If you're not careful, here's what's going to happen. We're going to begin to allow the worries of this life and the deception of wealth begin to come in and it begins to choke the life out of us. And this is what I love about Jesus is this. He says, this connection with me comes with a promise. In this passage, this is what he says. He goes, here's what I promise to do. You're going to move from no fruit to fruit to more fruit. And then he says this, to much fruit. Jesus wants to bring his fruit in your life. And some of you are like, what fruit are we talking about here, Nate? I don't even like fruit. No, listen to what he says in verse 11. Jesus tells his disciples, he tells you and I today, he says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The reason why oftentimes we don't have joy in our life, it's this. It's not because you're not smart enough or it's not because you can't create your life. You're very brilliant people. It's this, you're not connected to the vine. You haven't made your home in the vine. He says, I I've told you this so that joy, that's the fruit, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete no matter what you're going through. And he said, and my command is this, love each other as I have loved 
you. See, the goodness of God says, I'm going to love you, but here's, what, here's what's going to grow you. I want you to love each other as I have loved you because greater love has no one than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. See, the goodness of God says this, I want to complete the joy that you're looking for. This is why when we remain in him, when we make ourselves at home in Jesus, he begins to bring a joy in our life that the world can't bring. No matter what you're going through, he's going, I want to pour into you. Let me tell you the other fruit he wants to produce. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul talks about this competition that you and I have. Here's the competition spiritually. He goes, the way of the flesh... And he says this, it's, it's just full of envy and strife and bitterness and drunkenness. You just wreck your life. You wreck other people's life. He goes, this is what the flesh is competing with. But he says, there's this way of the spirit, the Holy Spirit in your life. And listen to what he says in Galatians chapter 5. He says, listen to what God wants to do in your life. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Literally, everything that you and I are longing for, he goes, is found in the vine, Jesus. And he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. That's what happens at baptism. We go, God, I no longer live according to me. It's no longer my way. God, it is your ways, and I'm dying to myself so I can live with you. And he says this, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. See, God wants to create this life in us. He wants you and I to remain connected to him because what he says is this, when you remain connected to me, man, I do more in you than you could ever do in your life. The only thing is this, he gives us a promise, but you know how he brings us about in our life? Jesus tells us, you ready? He prunes us. He prunes us. Some of you are like, that doesn't sound good. I know. Hang on. Let me get to it, all right? Here's the good news of Jesus. He says this in verse 2 of John chapter 15. He says, he cuts off, talking about God, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Here's what happens when you and I become followers of Jesus. Here's what he's going to do. You ready? He's going to cut things out of our life that don't produce fruit. And I'm just going to give you a heads up. It's going to be painful. And you know why? Because they're your comfort blankets. It's the way that we kind of go to. It's the way that we cope. And God's going to go, I'm going to begin to cut some of that out there. But here's why. I'm going to cut it out so that your life can be actually more fruitful. Turn to your neighbor and say this. Hey, I'm in process. All right. I, see, I appreciate some of you putting your hands up when you said it. All right. Now turn back to him and go, yeah, you are. Yes, you are in process, right? And let me tell you some other things that you're in process with that you don't know about. Now here's the thing. Jesus says this. He goes, I want you to remain in me, but here's why. Because you're in process. I'm in process. There are still things in me. I've been following Christ for 30 years. There are still things in me that God is going, Nate, I want to cut that back. Nate, I want to begin to cut that out of your life. Not, though, to just put you through pain, but here's why. So that you can produce fruit. So that the love of God can grow in you. So that the mercy of God can grow in you. The thing is this, are we willing to allow Jesus to prune us for our good? See, this is where the trust factor comes in and following Jesus. When he begins to call things out of us, it's not to punish us. It's to grow us into his image. 
It's to grow us into his likeness. Matter of fact, what happens is this. Every single biblical leader that you find in scripture was pruned. Abraham, he got pruned, right? David, oh, he for sure got pruned, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, 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 that whole Bathsheba thing. Cut that out, right? You know, all these sayings going on. Solomon, he got pruned. Job, pruned. Moses, pruned. The disciples, Peter, Daniel, every single person. And here's why. You ready? Because God wanted to do something new in their life. He's going, I want to I grow you. See, our problem is this. Oftentimes, the vines we connect to are only the vines that we know. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. I'm the true way of life. I'm the true one that pours into you. Here's the only thing about it, though. You know how we remain connected to the vine? Confession is key to connection. Some of you are like, Nate, I was told in elementary, you confess to nothing or you go to the principal's office, right? We're like, confession is how you get in trouble. You don't confess anything, right? You don't snitch on anybody. You don't confess. You, you don't do that. And here's why the connection with Jesus is so different because here's what happens. When you begin to confess, here's what changes in our life. When you and I confess, the connection goes deeper. When you and I begin to say stuff like this, God, you are the true vine. I'm just a branch. God, I'm going to allow you to organize and design my steps. See, oftentimes we think confession gets you in trouble. Actually, confession with Jesus is how you get out of trouble. <laughs> but it's when you and I are willing to say honest conversations to Jesus. To say, God, this is where I'm at and I need you. God, I've been trying this. I've been trying to produce this life baptized the lady just after last service. She was so honest. She just said, Nate, I needed this day. And here's why. She said, I've only moved down here for a couple weeks. She goes, I've been in addiction for 20 years. And for 20 years, this is what I believed. I could save myself from this addiction. And she goes, I'm here today to just say, I can't anymore. I can't anymore. This is the beautiful picture of confession. Today, where do you and I need to confess to Jesus. Matter of fact, I want to have you grab this. We've kind of put this out every week. Maybe you have one of these in front of your cup holder on your seat. I just want you to pull this out real quick. Here's our encouragement for you this week. It's simply this, that this week you would begin to deepen your connection with Jesus, to rest, to make your home with him. And on here, it's just John chapter 15, verse five, where he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't just say, apart from me, you can do nothing. This is what he says. He goes, when you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. You will. You will. He gives us this promise. And for some of you today, this is what you need to do. You just need today for the first time to confess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. To go, God, okay, I've been trying to save my life. I've been trying to organize my life. And today, you just need to confess, God, okay, I, I can't do this. But you can. Or some of you are here today. And you're like me. You've been following Jesus for a long time. But here's the thing. You've been attached to some wrong and false vines. 
You've been waiting for the career change to happen and it's just not happened. COVID messed it all up. Now you feel like you're 10 years behind and you're lost and this and that. And here's the beauty of God. It's this, today he just says, I just want you to confess that you need me. Because here's what he says. He goes, because when you remain in me, you will bear fruit. In your waiting, as you're remaining, you will see me begin to do new things in your life. But apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to invite you just to stand with me right now. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing. And I want to invite you today. We got a number of people lined up to get baptized after service today. I just want to invite you after we sing and while we sing, if today's the day you need to give your life to the Lord, I'm going to invite you to go over to the steps. I'll be over here. We got our staff and volunteers over here. Some of you are like, well, Nate, I didn't bring any shirts or shorts with me. Good news, we got thousands of them, right? And you're like, well, I know, but my hair. Turns out we got a blow dryer as well, right? Like we got you covered, right? You're like, dang it, I'm out of excuses. Yes, you are out of excuses, right? Jesus is just saying to you and I today, your calling is to be at home with me. If I could summarize the entire, entire Bible and the message of God is this. You were made to be at home with God and Jesus came to bring you there. There is no other home in this world. There is no other place of grace. There is no other place that gives us fresh starts outside of Jesus. And today I want to invite you, if you've not come home to Jesus today, we want to invite you. Or today, if you've been a follower to go, God, I've been chasing this. My home is in you. But let me pray for us and we'll sing. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you answer the deepest questions of our soul. Father, we thank you that you pursue us time and time again. Father, oftentimes it's not that we don't want to remain in you. It's just that, God, we, we begin to focus more on other things and we just forget you. We forget the one who's come after us. We forget the one who's with us. We forget the one who pours into us. And so, Father, just in this moment, Father, maybe there's some hearts here or online that need to come home to you for the first time. Father, would you give them freedom by your grace and mercy to come home? Or, Father, for us who are worn out and weary because we have been chasing everything else only to hit Wall after wall, Father, would we find your open arms today once again. Jesus, we declare you are the life. That there's nothing outside of you that can save us. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. And everybody said together, amen. amen.